All the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Below the Yellow Line podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Landy Pavlon. Today is Monday, April the 17th. And before we begin with this episode, I want to first and foremost send out my thoughts and prayers. My whole condolences are right now with the family of fallen Irish rally driver, Hyundai factory driver, Craig Breen, who lost his life last week during the pre-rally test for Rally Croatia, which is the upcoming round for the FIA World Rally Championship. And the WRC is really off to a a somber note. And uh, you just don't ever want to see a driver die on the you know, on the circuit. And that's what happened. Uh, rallying's a dangerous sport. And we were reminded of that last week. Before we get started, I want to um, take the time to also congratulate South Florida Zone, Kyle Kirkwood on his first career NTT IndyCar Series victory at the streets of Long Beach for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach yesterday. If you don't know, Kyle Kirkwood is a native of Jupiter, Florida, and FAU has a high presence on Jupiter as I think the second largest campus is out there. So congratulations um, to Kyle. This is a victory for all of South Florida. We'll talk about any car in a moment, but as we always start with this podcast, we go right into the NASCAR Cup Series. We'll get into the NASCAR weekend at Martinsville, which was action-packed, a little controversial, and Kyle Larson walking away with the win. That I kind of saw coming, but I just didn't think it would be his weekend. And Kyle Larson really performed like his 2021 championship self did yesterday afternoon. Uh, Just great timing all around for that team. Uh, And, you know, Larson definitely he has, you know, great crew chief putting on a good call to pit, you know, the, the way it was set up how he got by Logano, and how he's he's able to walk away at a track that usually you don't have large margins of victories at. That's impressive. And um, I think, honestly, we always talk about the races Kyle Larson lost. Steve, who he won't be here this week, but not he'll be here next week. Steve and I always talk about how many times Kyle Larson has lost races in the 2023 Cup Series. But if you really think about it, all those, all the races could have been wins. He could have had maybe his sixth win of the year by now. That's just another example of why Larson is just so good wherever he goes, no matter what he drives, where he's at. He's a world class talent. Um, well, let's get into the results here. Uh, we'll pull that up right now, courtesy of Racing Reference. Um, Kyle Larson, you know, he, he wasn't the early contender to win this one. For Martinsville uh, standards, he only led the last 30 laps, um, which is very impressive in itself. Um, Larson started mid-pack. He started 19th off the grid. It wasn't really his best showing. Um, and I think the same could be said, you know, if you look down the results here at the stage winners. This was supposed to be Stuart Haas Racing's uh, time in the sun, and they really had 
looked like it was going to be their race, but it just, again, wasn't meant to be. Um, we'll get to them in a bit. Let's go down the results here. Kyle Larson, um, he won the race. Now, I wasn't able to watch most of it. I could, I was only listening to it on MRN because uh, I, got my, I got a new TV. I was planning to do that over the summer after the semester ended here at FAU, but my TV decided last week would be the, the, the week that it would just blow out the, the uh, visual, so I can only hear audio for that time being and pretty much lost the weekend to um, having to get a new TV. But hey, um, really glad I got it done. Shout out to my buddy Steve for helping me out on that. Um, I'm all set up. I got um, I got a TCU uh, TV. It comes with Roku. So I was able to get Roku you know, free as it comes with a TV. I think it was about 125 bucks. Not bad. I always thought TVs were a lot more expensive than that. Um, maybe the market's changed, but um, I was able to put a good investment into that um, as well as a Chromecast, which I thought, you know, subconsciously, oh, that's really expensive. I probably have to save up for it. No, it's only 30 bucks. Uh, got that. And Steve got one for himself too. So all that was going on. And of course you have to take the time to set it all up. And, you know, by the time that's finished, NASCAR's done, IndyCar's done. And so is your Sunday, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about how awful my professor is, but we'll get right into the NASCAR results here. Um, I just wanted to explain that. I can't remember everything from the race. I can only go by the results. One race I did watch it full. Actually, two of them were uh, both the IMSA and the World Endurance Championship races. Um, IMSA was with IndyCar Long Beach, while the World Endurance Championship was on its second round at Portimao for the six hours. That I'll be a lot more detailed in, just a little disclaimer. Um, but yeah, life happened and I had to act on it. So, hey, I got a good TV though. Nice feature. Um, Chromecast and everything so I can watch races um, from my laptop using Google Chrome onto my TV. So, really good deal. And Roku is awesome. Um, but yeah, back to the results. Kyle Larson, 400 laps. He only led 30 of them. Joey Logano led 25 of those laps. He had a great late, late race uh, call by his crew chief as well. Um, great late race car. Martin Truex Jr., always a threat. Good at Martinsville. Yesterday was no exception. He finished third. Denny Hamlin, always a threat to win here at his home track. He led for 36 laps, was pretty critical about the car, saying that still has some work to do on the short tracks. We'll see where that goes from here. Uh, he finished in fourth. Chase Briscoe. Sewerhaas Racing came, and they made a statement on Sunday. Uh, definitely time to step it up for the whole team, and they did just that. Chase Briscoe led 109 of the 400 laps from the fourth-place starting spot. Well done for him. Top five. Coming home in fifth. Right behind him is teammate Eric Almarola. Good turnaround race. He definitely needed that going into Martinsville this past weekend. Ryan Blaney finishing in seventh. A solid eight for Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the Daytona 500 winner. Gets another solid top ten for the second time in a row. Bubba Wallace in a very eventful race. He started in ninth. Had all kinds of things thrown at him. Um, got lapped one time. 
um, according to my MRN feed that I was working on an, uh, an exercise equipment. My buddy Steve and I, we were putting together some uh, home exercise machinery. Um, and I was hearing a lot about Bubba Wallace not letting his owner, Denny Hamlin, just lap him. But somehow he came out of that and finished ninth where he started. So well done for him. And Chase Elliott, welcome back to the Cup Series. Missing six weeks due to injury from a snowboarding accident in uh, in the week approaching Las Vegas, which was going to round three. He's back um, six races later and closes it out on a hard-earned top 10 finish. Well done for the 2020 champion. Going down the order, we had Martinsville winner from last uh, fall of 21, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, Ross Chastain. Of course, everybody was talking about the move he made last fall. Ross finishes in 13th. Chris Buescher in 14th. Uh, I forgot to mention, Ross did lead for 31 laps in that race. And then you look at 15th, and you just have to feel beyond gutted for the New England leader of Ryan Priest, um, who scored his first career pole, led 135 laps more than any other driver until speeding on pit road costed him his race never recovered finishing in the top 15 if that says something just imagine where he would have been if it weren't for the the uh the penalty that he uh faced for speeding on the pits um we had a lot of cars finish on the lead lap more than half the field did so you could just paint the picture of where he could have finished had he not faced that speeding penalty but you know what that that's a good sign of things to come for that 41 uh team uh sewer Haas racing ryan priest definitely made a statement that's for sure yesterday um just more brilliant run for him and i'm proud of him for a guy that has to, had, had to climb the ladder and go through a lot of hurdles just to get to this point in the cup series he's got a long way to go this year to keep doing that and maybe take it a step further. We'll see what happens. Christopher Bell, who won last fall, just had an awful car. Um, started a mid-pack, finished 16th. It just was an off week for him. I thought he would have done a lot better than this, but, you know, it's it's hard to be good on a weekly basis. Daniel Suarez, another driver who got uh, who got unlucky in this one. He led for seven laps. Started second um, from the front row. Led seven laps. Wasn't meant to be. And I think this is the first time in a long time that Ty Gibbs didn't finish in the top 10 in the Cup Series. He had that top 10 streak coming along. I think it started at the end of Phoenix. Yeah, it was from Phoenix all the way up to last week. But that comes to an end here. He finishes in the 18th position. And then there's Kevin Harvick, another driver who just got unlucky. It looked like for a moment he had a shot to win at Martinsville once again. But Kevin Harvick, the 2014 Cup Series champion, he led for 20 laps, but he rounds out the top 20. But I think Stuart Haas Racing as a whole should be very proud of how they performed uh, yesterday at the paperclip. Moving on in order, Kyle Busch just didn't have a good car. Tyler Reich had a good race at the start, but just things happened against the 45's favor, and um, that costed him a top 20. William Byron, another driver who I thought was going to do pretty good, uh, just one last spring and wasn't meant to be for him. Uh, see Brad Keselowski who left for seven laps. Going down the order here, 
Um, Eric Jones ran into trouble. So did his teammate Noah Gragson. Both of them were lapped twice. Um, rough deal for the Legacy Motor Club, I have to say. Austin Sunderick. Needs a turnaround. This was not his race. Um, and the only car that did not see the checkered flag was J.J. Yilly, who crashed on lap 337. The stage winners were Ryan Priest and Kevin Harvick. And, uh, yeah, we only saw five cautions. So two without the stage yellow. So it was a pretty eventful race. Let's take a look at the uh, championship standings now. That uh, Martinsville is in the books. I will use NASCAR's Wikipedia page because Racing Reference, believe it or not, still doesn't have the correct results with all the penalties implemented. So I have to go to Wikipedia. Yeah. Come to the time where Wikipedia is a lot more uh, trustworthy. Nine races in the books. Um, Kyle Larson wins, but Christopher Bell is the championship leader by four points. Ross Chastain hops to second. Kevin Harvick with the stage points remains in third. He's two points ahead of Kyle Larson. And Martin Truex Jr. makes it into the top five. So Larson Truex move up the ladder in the standings. Tyler Reddick moves down. Joey Logano jumps to seventh. Kyle Busch drops to eighth. Denny Hamlin moves into the ninth spot. And Ryan Blaney makes it into the top ten. Going down the order, as um, we know, the playoffs are still a long while back. We're not going to really get into that playoff discussion until the fall semester if I continue this podcast here at FAU Owl Radio. Well, let's just go down the order anyways to see even the winners and where they stand with all the penalties. Alex Bowman, 11th. Brad Keselowski, 12th. 13th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 14th. Chase Briscoe, 15th. William Byron, 16th. Chris Buescher, 17th. Daniel Suarez, 18th. Michael McDowell, 19th. Austin Sindrick, and 20th is Ty Gibbs. So Ty Gibbs leads the Rookie of the Year battle as we speak. We got all three, all three of NASCAR's top series racing at um, Martinsville. So let's take a look at the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series as they ran their races. Uh, Friday night was a truck series. Saturday was uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And uh, that was their eighth round of the year for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They call 811 before you dig to 50 at Martinsville Speedway. And it really did come down to the veterans of the sport in terms of who was going to win this one and uh, who would be the class of the field. Because the, really the, this, the theme of this year's Xfinity series is a matter of youth and veterans. And I think the veterans have had the upper hand this year. If you really look at how things have come, this is kind of like a, a little trip to the early 21st century NASCAR post series, uh, minus all the unlimited starts that cup series drivers were able to make in those times. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about that, uh, shall we? So, um, 
John Hunter Nemechek takes the win in a dominating race for him. Um, the the 25-year-old, he led for 198 of 250 laps. Uh, Sammy Smith finished in second, so it's a Joe Gibbs Racing 1 and 2. Cole Custer in third. Josh Berry, who won this race two years ago, finished fourth. Brandon Jones, who almost swept it last year, rounding out the top five. Good turnaround for him. Justin Allgaier, Daniel Hummer, Derek Krause. A nice career best of eighth. Brent Moffat and Chandler Smith rounding out the top ten. So the standings after that. John Hunter Nemechek, who had one of the craziest burnouts I've ever seen in NASCAR history, lit up the track on fire, and that's what he's doing in the championship standings. 21 points over Austin Hill, who needs to turn things around this year. It just hasn't been so like good lately. Austin Hill in this race, he finished 16th. So that early race, early season high that he's having definitely came down by a lot. Um, Chandler Smith, his uh, the highest colleague car in third. Riley Herbst still in fourth. Josh Berry moving up to fifth. Justin Algar, Sammy Smith is going to climb that ladder for sure. Cole Custer, finally a good race for him. He's turning things around. Daniel Hemrick and Sheldon Creed rounding out the top 10. There'll be a towel dig with the Cup Series this weekend. Let's move into the trucks. And it's not a lot we can talk about, but there was a bit of history being made. It was the first time that on an oval, we saw a NASCAR race on a wet track on an oval. Um, but there are some stipulations. I will answer those questions. First and foremost, why can't they race in the rain on short tracks if they have a package for it? First and foremost, this is the very first time this ever happened. Um, let's get that out of the way. There's a lot of unknowns that have come with it. And obviously oval racing is not fit for wet weather conditions. Second of all, this package is only used to cut rain delays, the time of rain delays in half or shorter. That way we're not sitting around and we can get the race back going quicker. That does not mean we can race in the rain. However, it provides an opportunity for new things to come maybe so that they can race in the rain in the future. This is just a step up. In the end, Corey Heim took his fourth career win and his first with the uh, Gilliland team at Tricon Garage. I'm sorry, that's his third career win. He led 82 laps. Started fourth, won both of the stages, and comes away with the victory. He finished one position over his former owner, Kyle Busch, who led for 37 laps from second on the grid. Zane Smith, the pole sitter, led for five laps. Ty Majeski in fourth, one of short track racing's best. And Tanner Gray, a needed top five, got the job done here. Ben Rhodes, Matt Benedetto, Taylor Gray, William Sawalich, get used to that name. He's a young Toyota prospect making his first ever truck series start at age 16, running for the ARCA East Championship, which is already off to a great start for him. Finishing ninth, and Nick Sanchez, or I'm sorry, Chase Purdy, rounding out the top 10. So the truck series will be off this week. Um, but we'll take a look at the standings while we're at it. Um,
They'll be off the next two weeks. They'll be back at Kansas. So the standings look like this. Ty Majeski continues to open up that championship lead. In second place, we have Zane Smith. Third place is Ben Rhodes. Corey Heim jumps up to fourth with that win. Christian Eckes in fifth. Grant Enfinger, Matt Crafton, Tanner Gray, Matt DiBenedetto, and a tie between Chase Purdy and Nick Sanchez for the 10th spot in the championship. It's pouring outside, in case you're wondering. All right, now that NASCAR's out of the way, we're going to talk some IndyCar. We'll go into IMSA. We'll uh, go into WEC. Actually, let's get into MotoGP real quick. Uh, that, that'll be a quicker thing to get out of the way. Congratulations to LCR Honda Castrol rider Alex Rins on winning the Grand Prix of the Americas. We'll just get into the uh, round that happened at Coda for the MotoGP World Championship. Alex Rins takes the win uh, in the LCR Honda Castrol. The VR Racing 46 Racing Team Ducati of Luca Marini finishing in second. Fabio Quartararo, the 2021 World Champion, in third in his Yamaha. The Aprilia's fourth and fifth from two different teams. The Factory Aprilia of Maverick Fagnalos in fourth. And Miguel Oliveira for the Crypto Data RNF MotoGP team rounding out the top five. Marco Bazzicci in the VR46 Ducati. John Zarco for the Pramac Racing Ducati. Franco Morbidelli in the Macho Energy Yamaha MotoGP. Franco, the young. Gian Antonio in the uh, Ducati finishing ninth for Grassini Racing. And Augusto Fernandez for the Gas Gas Factory Racing Team. Tech 3 KTM rounding out the top 10. Let's go to the remaining points finishers. Remember, you have to be in the top 15 and running at the finish. Only 13 saw the checkered flag. So 13 riders get points. 11th, uh, so 10th, Augusto Fernandez. 11th, Michelle Pirro. 12th is Jonas Folger. Uh, and 13th is Brad Binder. So the World Championship standings now um, continue to be in the hands of Marco Bazzicci, Francesco Bagnaia in second last year's uh, champion, Alex Rins in third. Really good for the Honda squad. They definitely need this turnaround. Fourth place, Maverick Vinales, and fifth is Joan Zarco. Ducati lead the constructor standings over Honda, Aprilia, KTM, and Yamaha after three races. And the team standings is BR46 Racing Team, now the championship leader, Pulling away even larger after Argentine Grand Prix. Primark Racing in second. Aprilia Racing in third. Macho Energy Yamaha MotoGP in fourth. And Ducati Lenovo team rounding out the top five. Their next race will be the Spanish Grand Prix. Oh, there's going to be a lot of hometown fans for a lot of various riders in this one. The Spanish Grand Prix is at the end of this month on the 30th of April. Let's go into IndyCar. And then we'll jump into IMSA and WEC. And then we'll get into a preview of Talladega this weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series. The NTT IndyCar Series made their famous annual trip out west for the Long Beach Grand Prix. And it's a win for all South Florida as youngster Kyle Kirkwood took home his first career IndyCar Series victory. Driving the number 27 for Andretti Autosport out of jupiter florida wow what 
showing. It's his second year of IndyCar competition. He spent last year driving for AJ Foyt Racing. And everybody knew from the get-go that this former Indy Lights champion would take the world by storm. And thus he did. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood takes home his first career win. Um, and he had to fight off his teammate, Ronald Grosjean, who is my personal favorite driver, as you guys know. Why? Just because I met him at the airport. Um, so Andretti's get double podium in their Hondas. Roman Grosjean, another career best of second. Kirkwood led for 53 laps in this race. Just to let you guys know from the pole, which was also his first career pole. Roman Grosjean in second. Marcus Erickson in third. A really good run for the Swede. Colton Herta finishing in fourth. A lot of people had him, including me, as his favorite, as the favorite to win. Alex Pulau rounding out the top five. He led for two laps off fourth place on the grid. Will Power in sixth, one of the best in all time. Right there, Felix Rosenquist in seventh. Marcus Armstrong in eighth for the Ganassi team. Joseph Newgarden led 27 laps and finished ninth. And Scott McLaughlin, who I thought was going to be a candidate to win this race, rounding out the top 10. And it was a frustrating race for uh, or Scott Dixon and VK. They were taken out. Um, Dixon, a favorite to win this one. It just wasn't his race at all. Um, take a look at the uh, championship standings for IndyCar. As three races are now complete in the 2023 championship. Marcus Erickson is the championship leader still. As Paddle Award, who I thought was going to be up there, just had a frustrating run. It's the first time he didn't finish at the podium. P17 uh, remains in second. Alex Palau moves up to third. Joseph Newgarden in fourth. Kyle Kirkwood hops all the way to fifth with his stellar performance at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Scott Dixon drops to sixth. Roman Groshan, finally a good race for him. Shows you how much a good race can do. Moving it. Moving, moving himself up to 7th in the standings. Colton Herta, his teammate below in 8th. ninth place is Will Power with his teammate beneath him and Scott McLaughlin. As far as the manufacturer standings are concerned, Honda lead by 30 points over Chevrolet. Uh, Chevrolet having one win, Honda having two. Now let's take a look at the schedule. Uh, they return on the 30th of April for the uh, Grand Prix of Alabama at Barber Motorsports Park. Um, so it's two more races before the month of May really begins when it's time for that Indy 500 discussion. Hopefully I'll be able to come in the studio and talk about the Indy 500 if able to, you know, at the semester's off season, I should say, because I wasn't able to um, over the winter. But I think it's a little more needed now when the racing season's going on. That's for sure. Along with the IndyCar series, we had some sports car racing, and this is where we're going to talk about our sports car racing discussion. We had IMSA, we had WEC, we had the NLS. Oh, Super GT opened up their championship, too, with the uh, round at Okayama, the uh, famous Japanese sports car championship, the Super GT season underway. But first, let's talk about some IMSA. Three classes ran. The Grand Prix of Long Beach 
the GTP class, the GTD Pro class, and the GTD class were three classes. So the lesser uh, level prototypes uh, were not there. No LMP2s, no LMP3s. Porsche gets their first win in a long time for top-level American sports car racing with the 963. Congratulations to the Penske Bunch of Nick Tamney and Matthew Jaminet taking home the win at 78 laps um, with a gap of just about a second. The race ended behind the safety car. I will actually, let me just get that out of the way anyways because gaps don't even matter at that point. In a sprint race of an hour 40 minutes. The only street race of the year for the IMSA Championship, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Another great run for BMW with Connor Filippi and Nick Gilley for the Ray Hall Lenderman Lanigan BMW M team for the M Hybrid V8. Finishing second for the second race in a row. Third place, Porsche running up the podium were Matt Campbell and Felipe Nazar in car number seven. Fourth place was the sister BMW, the 24 of Philip Ang and Augusta Forfis for RLL and the highest running Cadillac. The Sebring 12-hour winners of Pippo Durrani and Alexander Sims for Wheeland Engineering Cadillac Racing from Action Express Racing running out the top five. It didn't fare out too well for the Acuras. In sixth place was the number 60 Marshank Racing Acura that won the Rolex 24. And seventh place is the very competitive Wang Taylor entry that crashed in the hands of Ricky Taylor with just a couple laps to spare. Apologize for the weather, bad weather in the background here. Let's move on and talk uh, about the GT classes and hopefully the power doesn't uh, use itself. GT Daytona, um, here are the top three for the pro class and it's my guys, the Lexus team from Bastard Sullivan Racing, taking home the win with Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacup, the two British drivers, getting it done in the RCF GT3. Corvette Racing, who I thought were gonna win in a based off experience. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about them in our WEC discussion. Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor finishing in second. Klaus Backler and Patrick Pile finishing third. And in the GT Daytona class, let's talk about uh, our podium there. It was all BMW once again for the second race in a row. Brian Sellers and Madison Snow taking the win for the Paul Miller Racing number one BMW M4 GT3. And Aston Martin and Alexis rounding out the podium, the number 27 Heart of Racing team. Uh, Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT3 of Roman DeAngelis and Marco Sorensen. And then the Lexus number 12 for Aaron Tietz and Frankie Montecalvo for Vaster Sullivan. Overall, it was a thrilling race, and this is going to be a uh, telltale for things to come when it comes down to your average sprint IMSA race with the new LMDH specifications in the new GTP class. I love it. That's for sure. And it's fun to watch because it, it, it's just it's always something real good about it um, coming out of this one. So let's take a look at the championship standings. Um, as it is awfully bad. By the way, this is the first round of the WeatherTech Sprint Cup, which is for the GT Daytona class only. So because it's the first round, it's obvious the top three 
from the race is what's in the points for that one. That's for only the sprint races in the GT Daytona class. But as for GTP, the pair of Matthew Jaminet and Nick Taney now lead the championship one point over the pair of Alexander Sims and people Durrani. Third place, Philippe Albuquerque and Ricky Taylor. Fourth place, Connor DeFilippi and Nick Yellowy. And fifth place, Felipe Nazar and Matt Campbell. So there you see it from there. It was not a good run for the Ganassi Cadillac uh, on Saturday, but we're going to talk about them in a, a little bit on Sunday. Um, let's get into the six hours of Portamount. Round two of seven for the FIA World Endurance Championship. And by the way, this is the first weekend for both IMSA and WEC that both Steve and I were not in attendance to watch for 2023. Interesting to say that. Um, Let's get into the results here for round two. Uh, the second of three races in the pre-Lama leg of the World Endurance Championship. And it's Toyota once again, but it wasn't one, two. We'll get into that why that was in a bit. And it was a walk-off. One lap advantage of victory for the six hours of Portimao for the Toyota Kazoo Racing Trio of Sebastian Buemi, Brandon Hartley, and Kazuki Nakajima. The GR010 Hybrid proved strong for the second race in a row. Second place is the number 50, and of course, the Ferrari 499P, another speci specifically good, spectacular run for the Ferrari team out of AF Corsa. They're gonna get to they're gonna get atop the podium very soon at this rate. It's just looking good for them. Drivers, Antonio Fuoco, Miguel Molina, and Nicholas Nielsen finished in second, one lap down, and in third place, the second of two cars finishing a lap behind the winner was the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 of Kevin Escher, Andre Lotterer, and Lawrence Vantor. Um, well done for them. By the way, this was the last race for both IMSA and WEC to have only the factory Penske Porsches representing the Stuttgart brand in the top class. We will see privateer entries starting in the next round in both IMSA and in the World Endurance Championship. It should be fun to watch. Um, going down off the podium in fourth place, a great run, a good turnaround for Cadillac Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, they didn't fare too good at Sebring. It was a bit of a shaky start for them, but they still have a lot of good things to look back at from here. For Earl Bambert, Alexander Lynn, and Richard Westbrook in the V-Series are finishing two laps down. And in fifth place, give a call to these guys. Peugeot Total Energies, absolutely fantastic way to turn things around for them. The uh, the Peugeot 9X8 did a fantastic job. Uh, minimal reliability problems for that 94 team were Louis Duval, Gustavo Menezes, and Nico Mueller finishing two laps down. That is such a huge increase of, of a job well done after what happened, a disastrous start of the year for Sebring. Say what you want about the track and the car and the aerodynamics, but anything relating to that race is a step up. So well done to them. Fifth place was the 51 Ferrari. I'm sorry, sixth place. Seventh place was the 93 Peugeot. Eighth place was the uh, the Glickenhaus, and good for them. They were able to finish ahead of the LMP2 winner. And then there's ninth place, and you got a feel for these guys. The number seven Toyota of Conway, Kobayashi, and Lopez. Apparently the FIA found something that was not right in the seven car and ordered the team to come to the pits 
and correct it and make sure, and the FI wanted to make sure that it was corrected before they let them back out and it ultimately costed them their race. So say about whatever you want about that. I wish I had more time to talk about it. I had some technical difficulties going into the podcast, but it was definitely a blow to the Toyota team uh, for number seven. Let's get into the lower classes because it got really interesting there in the closing laps for both LMP2 and LMGTM. LMP2, United Auto Sports redeemed after Sebring winning 1-2 for the uh, 23 car of Josh Pearson, Guido Vendergaard, and Oliver Jarvis in the Orcas, all Orcas, finishing on lap 215. And it was a competitive one. Second place was a 22 car uh, of Fred Lubin, Philip Hansen, and Ben Hanley. Uh, third place was the number 41 team WRT of uh, Rui Andrade, Robert Kubica, and Louis Delatraz. Fourth place was the number... Uh, Uh, 63 Premo Racing car that won pole in the class with uh, Dorian Pine, Marco Bortolotti, and Daniel Claviat really looked like they had a good race going until that safety car at the final hour bit them and they never recovered. Still a nice fourth for them. And fifth place, the last of uh, Hertz Team Jonah. They will move up and officially test beginning this week for the six hours of Spa in their new 963 the first Porsche customer team. So Joda round out their LMP2 two-race tenure. Uh, that included the win at Sebring with uh, uh, Yife Ye, uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, and David Beckman. So a good way to close out that little stint. Good on them. Uh, now we'll talk about the LMGTM class. And it was a competitive one at that. At lap 206, Finishing 21st overall is your GTM winner for the second week in a row. Corvette Racing and the C8R get the job done with a stellar stint by Ben Keating and a great driving from Nico Verone and even better defending. And this was close. Defending from Nicky Kotzberg coming home to finish this one strong. A really good run on him. Uh, Kotzberg. Did some incredible defending against Alessio Rovera in the Ferrari for the AF Corsa, which are mill team. I finished second in their uh, 499 or 488 GTE. Uh, Louis Perez Compact, who had that awful crash at the start of the Sebring race, and Lilu Wadiu, uh, the young French woman running out that trio, did a very good job in the middle parts of that race as well. Making it not a walk-off for Corvette. And I knew that Corvette, they were strong, but they weren't going to walk off like they did at Sebring because the CNR obviously does a lot more testing there in relation to anywhere European that they go with the CNR, which was really meant for IMSA before Lama. And third place, the Iron Dames uh, Porsche, rebounding after an awful race at Sebring. With the all-female team from Iron Lynx, Sarah Bovey, Michelle Gatting, and Ralph Fry um, made this a very interesting run for Corvette in their win, um, having to fend off the Porsche, the pink Porsche, and the red Ferrari in the GTM class. Rounding up the top five are two AF Corsa Ferraris, the 54 and the 21. So the World Championship is two races into the books, not this weekend, but next weekend they'll come back. For the six hours of Spa Franco shop, uh, starting up in the uh, final weekend of, of uh, April, 
see if we have the uh All right, we have the World Championships posted. After two races, I'll read this off. Two races in the books in the championship lead is in the hands of the trio of Brendan Hartley, Rio Harakala, and Sebastian Buemi. Um... 11 points over the Ferrari trio of Antonio Ferroco, Miguel Molina, and Nicholas Nielsen. And then the second uh, Toyota trio in third of Jose Maria Lopez, Kamei Kobayashi, and Mike Conway. Then it's the Ganassi Cadillac of Earl Bamber, Alex Lynn, and Richard Westbrook. And then it's the Porsche trio of Andre Latour, Kevin Estra, and Lawrence Ventor. They sit at 27 points. That's your hypercar championship after um after this race here is the uh, manufacturers championship the world championship for manufacturers two races in toyota lead at 64 points ferrari 42 points porsche with 30 points tied with cadillac porsche getting the count back nod so they are third cadillac fourth peugeot in fifth sixth place as van wall and seventh is Glickenhaus. Remember, you have to finish top 10 to score points for the car to receive championship, world championship points. LMP2 uh, Teams Championship. Um, United Autosports continue. They get maximum points again because uh, the 48 Jota car didn't count and weren't eligible to receive points. Uh, so they pull away. By 16 points over the Prema number 63, the WRT number 41 in third, the number 23, United Autosports car finishing in fourth, or currently in fourth, and then the Inter Europol number 34. We haven't said much about them this year. They round out the top five um, in LMP2. And in LMGTE teams, we're going to just talk about the number 33 Corvette. They pull away with a huge margin, 64 points to their name. And then it's interesting. The 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche in second, but it's really close behind them with the AF Corsa 21 in uh, third, and the AF Corsa 54 in fourth, and the Kessel Racing Ferrari in fifth. I guess Sloan Stinnick does win you these championships sometimes. So those are the endurance trophies. They come back for the uh, six hours of spa at the end of uh, April. Which is the last go round before the 24 hours of Le Mans in June. Um, by the way, NLS was won by the uh, BMW Junior team, so congrats to them on the M4 GT3 for getting another win in NLS3. It was uh, Max Hesse, I think it was Daniel Harper, and Neil Verhagen, the junior BMW drivers, getting the job done in walk off fashion. Uh, once again at the Nürburgring, uh, Nordschleife. So good on them. Now let's talk about some racing uh, coming up. We have the start of the European Le Mans series this weekend. It's the four hours of Barcelona at the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya, and a lot of these entries, LMP2, as we know, they're going to headline this class, the, the the headlining class of the year, uh, competing for the overall wins. LMP2, a lot of entries from uh, WEC, some from EMSA, some that we saw earlier this uh, 
Winter from the Asia Lamas series will be there. Because uh, remember, you win a championship in that category, you do get the automatic invite to the 24 Hours of Lamas. Uh, this goes also to the LMP3 championship in there and the uh, the LMGTE championship. By the way, this is the last year for LMGTE in the European Lamas series. So let's, uh, let's take a look at the ELMS championship. Which start off this weekend at the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya. And let's talk about what is there to come. We have um an edited schedule. So we start off with the four hours of Barcelona. Then we move on to the four hours of the Castellet. The four hours of Aragon. So there's only one race before Lamont, just to let you guys know. Uh the second round is on July 16th. The third round is on August 26th. So Aragon is getting around in Spain. That's really interesting. I've never Racing too much action in sports cars over there. But I know MotoGP has a lot of races there. The four hours of Spa Francorchamps in Stablon on September 24th. And then Portimao gets a, a doubleheader to make up for a lost date from Imola, which uh, did a track reconstruction delays. They can't get the race in. So we have a doubleheader on the finale weekend of October 21st, 22nd. The four hours of Portimao is on Saturday. The four hours of Algarve on Sunday making up your six-race schedule. So let's take a look at the uh, the uh, championship uh, contenders here. We have DKR Engineering in the, the uh, LMP2 class. We have teams like Algarve Pro Racing, which we've seen a, a lot of times. United Auto Sports having three entries in LMP2. Nielsen Racing, IDEX Sport, Duquesne Team. We have Racing Team Turkey from... Uh, From TF Sport, as I hear a lot of mumbo-jumbo outside in a rainy day. Cool Racing is back with two entries. Into Europol has a car. Pony Racing Dragon Speed has one with both Juan Pablo and Sebastian Montoya. AF Corsa and Proton. Little dress rehearsal for that LMDH car, I see. LMP3, we have a lot of LMP3 entries, actually. Um, we have two cars from RLRM Sport, Descartes Engineering, uh, Team Virage, Euro International, um, WTM Racing by Rinaldi Racing, a 24-8 series team, into Europol, uh, Cool Racing, Racing Spirit of Le Mans, and Ultimate um, are in there. So we have our uh, Duquesnes, we have our Ligiers, we don't have any Genetas, maybe we'll see one later down the road. Um, and LMGTE, um, the LMGTE class is the last year for this class. Is they'll be uh, replaced by GT3 starting next year, just like WEC. Um, let's see who's gonna put on the nice grand finale for these cars. Proton competition with three Porsches uh, entered in this one. GMB Motorsport with an Aston Martin. Ooh, look at this. AF Corsa with three Ferraris coming into this one. Kessel Racing with a Ferrari. Iron Lynx, remember they moved to Porsche because they can't run Lamborghinis, obviously, in an LMGT. JMW Motorsport with a Ferrari and TF Sport with two Aston Martins, making up your 2023 championship. So who do I have winning the opening round for the four hours of Barcelona in Catalonia? For winning this one, I'm going to go with United Autosport um, number 22 of Marino Sato 
former F2 driver, Oliver Jarvis and Philip Hansen. They just seem to have a really good team put together. But I feel like we're going to get get some good, you know, runs from uh, AF Corsa, Proton, especially Proton, because we know that they have that Porsche program coming along. LMP3, I'm going to go with uh, DKR Engineering on this one. Um, you never know. There's a lot of amateur drivers here. And LMGT Am, or just LMGT, I expect the Proton Porsches to be the class of the field. And I believe, is this weekend the start of the GT World Challenge Europe Endurance Cup? Let me see. Yes, it is. How could I forgot? Absolutely. This weekend is the start of the five-round GT World Challenge Europe Endurance Cup, which is sanctioned by the one of many series from SRO. Um, the GT World Challenge Europe Endurance Cup is five races. As this is the start of the season, I'll just break it down for you guys. All GT3s with... Classes based off the driver rankings uh, from the FIA licenses. It starts off this weekend with the three hours of Monza. Then on June 3rd or 4th, it's the famous Circuit Paul Card 1,000 kilometers, which is a six-hour race in Le Castellet. Third round of the year is the very famous 24 hours of Spa, um, which next year will be its centennial anniversary on uh, the weekend uh july 2nd so around to canada day i forgot they changed the date from the end of july to the beginning of july due to the belgian grand prix being changed the three hours of nurburgring will move into that slot on july 29th to 30th uh by the way the third round is uh part of the gt or, or part of the intercontinental gt challenge championship as well and then the three hours of barcelona in the first weekend of october to close the five round championship now this is also part of the GT World Challenge Europe Championship. And of course, that includes, we don't really cover these too much, but the Sprint Cup Championships for the GT World Challenge Europe as well. So with that all said, um, let's take a look at the entries. I, I, I don't have too much time, so I'm going to go through them quick. Um, these entries... Um, I don't think they have them like by class. Actually, a few of them do, but really, it's all driver dependent. And I know the championship runners want to have that already set in stone so that they can continue the championship bed. Uh, classes in the Pro Cup, most likely going for the overall win, the Gold Cup, Silver Cup, uh, Bronze Cup, and Pro Am. So we got two cars from uh, Get Speed Performance, actually, three from Mercedes, factory Mercedes entries. Uh, Optimal Motorsport from Inception Racing, uh, McLaren, CrowdStrike Racing, that's the American team, I think they're just running Spa, K-Pax Racing with their Lamborghinis, uh, Boots and VDS, uh, come to you Racing, which is, uh, they're a team that bought three old Audis from WRT, um, an Italian BMW team, a Chinese team from that's from called Uno Racing Team that will field uh, an Audi. Iron Lynx, remember, they are a Lamborghini team running in, in the LMDH next year. So they have three entries, and including the Iron Dames entry. You got Huber Motorsport, Grove Racing out of Australia. Car Collection Motorsport running Porsches this year. Interesting. So they, they leave the Audi camp. Um, Cintillac Racing with two Audis. 
Team WRT with four cars, uh, at least for the first round. Or maybe that's just for the 24 hours of spa. Um, I don't have a set entry list for this weekend, but I'm just uh, reading off who, who's there. AF Corsa with a huge boatload of four cars. Um, three of them have the new Ferrari. One of them has the old one. You can still run the old one as long as it's FAA certified. Uh, Dynamic Motorsport with three Porsches. They'll be in cahoots with Huber Racing as well. Windward Racing having two cars for this one in the Gold Cup. GRT Grasser Racing Team make their return. Um, we have Team Parker Racing. Half the Racing Team with three Mercedes. One is confirmed in the Bronze Trophy. Leipert Motorsport with their Lamborghinis. Center to G1 Racing, the team that won the uh, Bathurst 12-hour. Obviously, they're going to run. They're probably going to run uh, the 24 hours of Spa as they're in the IGTC. 76 Racing and their McLaren team we saw from the 24-8 series. We have Alcotas team, Mercedes, three of them. Um, Herberth Motorsport with two cars and one of them from the Pure Racing entry. The Renauer brother-led team, two brothers. Manti Racing, the Nürburgring-based Porsche team that we saw in the IGTC. They'll be in there. Uh, Garage 59, Sky Tempesta Racing will work together in a, in a joint form for a team with McLarens. Retronic Racing moved to Porsche. Actually, I was there when I watched them win the 24 hours of Sebring in an Audi. A lot of Audi departures here. Rover Racing, a Nürburgring team, um, having two BMWs with factory drivers. GMG Racing, an IMSA team, Odena Motorsports, uh, CSA Racing, a team, Mercedes M. Um, Group AM Racing, so <clears throat> not going to get into predictions. I don't have enough time. I want to talk about some Talladega. So we have Talladega coming up this weekend. We actually have Formula E as well. Uh, I just want to see where they're racing. Two Berlin E Prix races this weekend. Uh, but Talladega is coming up, and I'm going to come up with my predictions. Um, I'm not going to use my phone. I don't want to look at the entry list. I know they're not out yet, but the Talladega 500 with the thrills, with the spills, with the rowdy crowd, with the atmosphere like never seen before, with Chase Elliott back on the grid. And we saw how popular his win was those two times he's done it at Talladega. 500 miles of what the hell is going to happen. I hope what we don't see is a case of Wreckfest. I don't want anyone getting hurt. And I did, you know, I ranted about that in a podcast before from the Fall Texas race, but from what I saw at the Daytona 500 weekend when that was there, the one thing I will say is. This is anybody's race to win. It sure damn wasn't Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s race in the Daytona 500 approaching the end of regulation. It sure damn wasn't. Um, Greg Van Alst win race for, to win in ARCA, but he found a way to get it done. And then we saw Austin Hill defend. We saw Zane Smith defend, even though the trucks aren't going to race. 
So I'm going to come up with my top three drivers who I think are going to win in each of the series. Except for Arca, because, you know, same deal with Arca drivers from Daytona might probably come into play for Talladega. And we don't know the entry list for that yet. Not for another two days. For Day for Talladega, who's going to win the Geico 500? I'm going to go with Brad Kislowski. Brad Kislowski. And shout out to my boy, Herbert Solomon, who was with me at the Daytona 500, who took the damaged part cut off from his car and clowningly pasted it onto the front nose of his F-350 at the campground the next day and got uh, ousted by RFK Racing on Twitter, which was a great deal. I'm really cool to see. That was really cool to see happen. But in all seriousness, Brad Keselowski's first ever lap led in the Cup Series was that crazy win he had at Talladega driving for James Finch in 2009. If he could do that, he could certainly win. And he almost damn near won the 500 with his teammate Chris Buescher working with him. If it really, if if it didn't, you know, go, you know, in the way that Kyle Busch had before the end of regulation in that one, it could have been RFK Racing 1-2. Um, I expect Brad to win this one. Who else do I see winning this race? I think that this is a good opportunity for Alex Bowman to show what he's got. Bowman is the showman. And he's going to show everybody what he can do at Talladega. So I think Bowman's going to be out there. He's going to have a really good car. Obviously a good car in qualifying. I expect him to start in the front row. All right, kind of, as long as he stays out of trouble. That's the thing. He always seems to be unlucky at these events. And then my third prediction for a driver who I think is going to win at Talladega. We have to have an upset, right? And I'm not saying Brad Kozlowski is an upset, maybe in consideration of this year, but for an upset at Talladega, you have to think about what we've seen in the past. Ten years ago to this time, we saw a starting park team still coming out of a starting park uh, method of making money in the Cup Series, Front Row Motorsports, and ending up winning 1-2 fashion with David Reagan and David Gillen. That was definitely not on our deck of cards. We can have a wacko circumstance and have Justin Haley win. Trying for a brand new starting park team, Spire Motorsports. I had sponsorship to run the full race in 2019 in Daytona in the summer, but lightning struck twice and gave Justin Haley his first career win after he avoided one of the craziest big ones ever, much like last year's at Daytona. So what does that leave us with? I think the third prediction I have to win this cup race is Corey LaJoy. We know Spire Motorsports has the equipment to make it uh, one of their best cars for the year. And they probably save all their stuff up for Talladega. They definitely did that for Atlanta last summer. And it almost paid off. And Daytona two summers ago. Corey LaJoy, I expect him to be my third winning prediction. Now the Xfinity Series. Number one, I'm going to get it out of the way. He's just so good on these tracks. Austin Hill, flat out. He's going to turn it around this year. He's going to start at Talladega. I expect him to continue his championship possibility of a contender run. And I'm saying that because NASCAR playoffs are so out of whack. You don't know what to expect. 
Secondly, my next prediction for this one, I'm going to have for the NASCAR Xfinity Series, John Harnamichek. Almost won at Daytona. And third, Sam Ayer. He's going to redeem after Daytona's near win, which turned upside down, quite literally. And he'll get his first career win at Talladega Super Speedway and put that to rest. All in all, I still haven't mentioned the names like Parker Kligerman, Jeffrey Earnhardt, if he's racing. Kyle Sieg or Ryan Sieg. Definitely Ryan Sieg. Jeremy Clements, who won last summer at Daytona. Got a second career win. It could be anyone's race, especially in the Saturday event. And then that brings me to Arca. We knew whoever won that Daytona race it was going to be their biggest win in their lives. And it sure was with Greg Van Alst getting the job done. But who's to say? It couldn't have been Jason White from Canada. It couldn't have been John Garrett who spun across the line. Dale Quarterly, it could have been Mandy Chick, it could have been any one of those drivers. Even Frankie Muniz, of all people who I was very fortunate to meet my time there. Could have been Malcolm in the winner's circle. But anyways, it's hard to predict. Um, hopefully they'll put LeVar Scott back out there. Uh, he's a gentleman, I had a pleasure talking to him after his stellar fourth place run at Daytona. Uh, Rev Racing always seems to put a good driver team combination in their cars. So I hope they put LeVar Scott back in there. I think what's his name? Andres Perez de Lara might be able to race this one at Talladega. I know he had to withdraw from Daytona because of his age. So I think that's a done deal. But I'm going to go out of line and say Greg Van Alst is going to go two for two at the big tracks. <laughs> he's going to win. He's going to win at Talladega. And it'll be another incredible interview. Maybe he won't be so flooded with emotions this time. He'll, he'll be able to realize that he's just as good of a driver as he claims not to be. I, by the way, he's also a great man to meet. I, I had the pleasure of talking to him after the ARCA race. and I never saw a smile bigger on anyone's face than Greg Van Oss after that one. Um, dreams do come true in South Car Racing. And Talladega and Daytona, these restrictor plate tracks, super speedways where you're in a pack and you don't have the best car all year. Sometimes that car can become your magic wand. And a lot of magic have happened in these events. Anyways, I think this is the end of our podcast. I know I'm complete. I, I didn't even realize you could log in to a Mac on your FAU account. But I did, so I have to go through the hurdles of having to get this podcast sent in because a lot of our folks at FAU Owl Radio and Owl TV are at some event. I think it's an awards event in uh, Las Vegas. So congrats to them, and you guys be safe out there. We'll see you when you come back in town. For FAU Owl Radio and World Racing Media, I'm Joseph Lanny Pavlon signing off for the Below the Yellow Line podcast. We'll see you next week. Owl Radio is FAU's student-run radio station streaming worldwide on FAUOwlRadio.com. We have shows, DJ on-campus events, giveaway free concert tickets, and more. Make sure to check us out on social media at FAU Owl Radio.